Nothing in your life needs to be permanent if it's not serving you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host. And today I'm with my guest, Hannah. Hello. I'm super excited for this conversation. My name is Hannah Spanky, Spanky like the little rascals. And I'm currently a board certified clinical sexologist. I'm an authentic tantra practitioner. I'm a somatic attachment therapist, relationship and life coach, all the stuff, the long list of things. But essentially, like boiled down, I just really have a passion for helping people. Specifically, now I'm moving more towards working with women exclusively, but I have worked with men and women for the last handful of years, both in just really creating authentic embodied happiness in themselves by healing, shifting, changing, whatever needs to be dealt with on all levels, mind, body, spirit, and sex. So that's what, that's what I do. You know, everyone's ears perked up when they hear sex. (laughs) Yep. Yep. For sure. (laughs) So how did you get into this kind of line of work? Which part of it? I guess all of it. Yeah. So my background is a little bit taboo, probably a lot a bit taboo for most people. Um, I stepped into the sex industry. So I want to be clear. I had somebody not, this came across as not clear to somebody yesterday. They asked me, um, oh, how, how long, like, it seems like you've been doing what you do for a long time. I heard you on something. You said you started doing it when you were 16. So I just want to be extra clear. What I do now is not work in the sex industry. <laughs> I help people with their sex lives, with their sexual wellness, but not in the sex industry. <laughs> so in the sex industry, which is what my past chapter of life was, I like, you know, porn, prostitution, stripping, that type of industry. I stepped into that when I was 16 years old, kind of unknowingly, kind of knowingly, and then ended up accidentally staying in it for the next almost eight years after that. And so um, I experienced a lot of different things over the course of those eight years. As you can imagine, I dabbled in almost all realm, all things that fall under that umbrella of sex industry, tried it all out. And I spent most of those years, the first few were in a strip club. And then most of them were with private clients, like an escorting type of situation. So through that, as you can imagine, I had a lot of complications in my personal romantic life. <laughs> Dating a guy that wants to be exclusive, that I want to be exclusive with, and asking him to understand that, oh, I, I also have sex with other people for money, but it's different. It's just my job. It's not, you know, that there was so not, I don't believe in any of what I used to tell people in the past. Like when I was in that line of work, I had a whole narrative about why it was good and why it was okay. All of that has completely shifted to where I am now. But at the time, like that's where I was coming from. I really thought it was harmless. I thought it was great. And over a number of years of it failing and not being received as great, and then lots of conflict and issues and stuff coming up in my own relationships because of it, I guess I started to just kind of wake up to the reality of like what impact I was creating by living the lifestyle I was living on myself and the people in my life and just even bigger than that ripple effect out. I was completely disconnected from my actual self-worth, like a a true sense of self-worth because I had 
so much of my worthiness and my value tied up in that industry, tied up in what does my body look like? Does somebody approve of me? Is somebody going to pay me for my sexuality? You know, that's how I was leading versus like seeing myself as valuable from the inside out. It was the other way around. And so I guess my point is after a long enough time of being frustrated with how it was impacting my personal life and a long enough time of it kind of wearing away at me until I finally could see the impact it was having on me, it eventually came to a head where I was like, all right, this is a black and white decision at this point. I no longer want to do this. How, what, what the fuck, how do I get out of this? And that's when I started my like personal healing journey out of the industry, which I didn't really realize was as big of a deal as it is until I started having a lot of podcast conversations with people. And the reflection I would hear back constantly is like, wow, that's so great that you were able to get out of that industry. It's so great that you were able to like, as if it's this like sinkhole that you just can't get out of. And it made me realize like, that is true. Most women that are in that industry stay in the industry because they're stuck there. You know, there, there's, there's a very small window of hope when you're in the industry of like something else that you could just easily shift to. It just doesn't exist. And so it was a big deal. It was a big mountain to climb and I did. And then through my own personal work that led me into wanting to help people personally in the same ways that I had been helped or similar to. And then I started that and then kind of layered over the years of helping people and then adding on to my credentials and education and everything as I went. Now, that's amazing. It really is. I mean, the money, I think that's why people can't get out of it. Because Mm -hmm. if you try and you're like, okay, I'm going to get on straight and narrow and you get a job, you're making a fraction of what you made. So people just go back to it. Mm Mm-hmm. Totally. Especially like I wasn't in this position. Thankfully, I don't have kids or didn't have, I don't have kids, but I didn't have kids at that time. And that wasn't the case for most of the women that I worked with, at least like at the strip club where I was around other women a lot. Most of them had many kids. And so just that factor alone of like a woman with three kids, five kids, seven kids, like you can't pay for all of that at Applebee's, you know, like there's something that there's a sacrifice piece to it where it's like, I have to meet this minimum and not having the paper credentials to be able to do it in any other way. It makes it a really easy, easy, like uh, entry into the industry. Right. So did you have a fake ID? How were you working at 16? Yeah. So when I was 16, I, the first experience I ever had was something that I like created on my own. It wasn't at a club. I made a Craigslist personals ad <laughs> like back when that was a thing. And I remember I that. Up, <laughs> yeah, I ended up meeting somebody, some guy in the middle of the night, like a couple hours after I had made the post. I was so fucking scared. I don't even know how I was able to go through with it. Met this guy, had sex with him. He gave me money and then I left. And my motivation at the time, so I graduated school really early. I was like, I was maybe a couple weeks after my 16th birthday and a month before my high school graduation. So I was young and also trying to be an adult all at the same time. And so I like I was done with high school, wanted to be done. And I was right almost about to be done. And the last thing was a Disneyland school trip. And so needing money for it and not knowing how else to get it. Like I just, this sounded like a great idea at the time. So I did that, had the money. And then it was like this very split experience inside of me. Like on one hand, I was like, holy shit, did I just figure something out? Like I have cash in my hand that I didn't have 45 minutes ago. Like that's crazy. And I was like, 
having nightmares at night, not able to fall asleep, waking up in cold sweats, like this PTSD sort of effect on my body that I had no like capacity or language to understand at the time. And so there was a negative effect that was like apparent or clear or obvious from the very beginning. But just because of all of the layers of healing and things that I needed to go through personally, I didn't see it that way. You know, I, I justified it because of the money. Like you said, I was able to make in a short amount of time doing XYZ. I wrote it off as easy, you know, and so took my money, went to Disneyland, did whatever. And then I didn't do anything else for probably a year. And at that point, at 17, I did have a big idea. And so in California, at least, which is where this was, obviously strip clubs, even the nude, no alcohol strip clubs are 18 and over. So I wasn't 18 and house stripping companies like bachelor party type of things where you call and like order girls or whatever. Those types of stripping companies are different from a club. They have way looser regulations. I think they're just not able to be monitored the same way. All they needed was an ID. They didn't require you to have a social security card. And so, and I knew that. And so I sought that out, worked for one of those companies very briefly. And then as soon as I was, I think I was actually 19, but once I turned 19, I started working at an actual club. I mean, I'm sure working in a club, you saw lots of drugs, lots of all kinds of crazy stuff. A lot of the girls, they needed to be able to do those things. Yeah, for sure. I used to be on a high horse about it because I, I never fucked around. Like I didn't drink at work. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do anything quote unquote bad, even though I was at a fucking strip club, you know? So like, I, I thought that I was like the best stripper there could be. Like I was really <laughs> high and mighty about it, but I was working a day shift until 5 or 7 p.m. making the money I was going to make for the day, going home and then partying all night with my friends on like a Tuesday. You know, so I was still escaping almost daily in one way or another. I just wasn't doing it during working hours. But yeah, absolutely. I believe that it's a necessity at some point. If it's not the first experience you have, maybe the second, eventually give you a third round or more, you're going to want to dissociate in some way, you know, so whether it's drugs or alcohol, or just like a mind body disconnect, your nervous system being all kinds of dysregulated, trying to unplug you from your experience. It's like so many, so many things that we can reach for to try to numb ourselves out when we're in such a traumatic, but not wanting to see it that way or not even knowing that is that way experience, you know? totally get that isn't it crazy how like now you can look back at it and be like holy crap like my body was giving me all kinds of signals but you just you don't pick up on them you don't you don't want to really you know you're out there living your best life and you're like no so i totally get that so when you're ready to actually get out of the industry did you seek out a sexologist no 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 not not at all no i Actually, sexology came later. Like I started when I first stepped out of the industry and was like, I'm going to make money this way. And it was not that way. Like I was going to make money a new way. I started a coaching business. Like I, I guess I was calling myself just like a relationship coach or a dating coach or something at the time. And I specifically was working with divorced men over 40 who realized that like their love life wasn't what they wanted it to be. And they didn't have time on their side anymore to fuck it up again. And so they wanted to do something different, needed to learn, unlearn, whatever they needed help. So that was who I worked with first in my business for almost, I think the whole entire first year of my business, because that is who I intimately knew from my life in the sex industry 
history of like, why were they not having the lives they wanted to have? Why were their relationships so fucked up? Why were they stepping out of their marriages? Why weren't they talking to their wives? You know, like all of those unique uh, vulnerabilities, like I understood them because after so long of seeing the same guy in the same transactional way, they would get really comfortable with me. They would tell, we became like friendly, you know, in our conversations. I would never call them friends now, but like we were friendly. And so they would tell me all about their personal lives. And after eight years of that, I had a really unique and valuable like arsenal of understanding about what they needed help with, where they were missing. And so that was the first person that I really set out to help. And then I discovered a modality called Authentic Tantra. So what Authentic Tantra is, is it is a trauma-informed, meaning it just has like an emphasis on the nervous system and how the nervous system handles life, basically, how it can be dysregulated and and brought back into a place of regulation. So trauma-informed holistic sexual healing modality rooted in lineage-based Tibetan Buddhist Tantra. And so I was first drawn to this modality for myself because I realized like in my physical body, I've accumulated a lot of shit that is not good, that is not helpful, that I don't want just energetically from like having sex with so many men, even just one man, if you're having sex with someone that you don't actually want to be having sex with, like that's a misalignment in your body, in your system. Like you're exchanging your energy like the most intimate part of yourself with someone that you don't even like, like that's something that's going to fuck you up in some way. It's going to have an impression. And so I had a lot of those impressions and I realized there was a lot of like womb healing and deeper stuff that I needed to really start investing in. And so I found Authentic Tantra. I did their very first like self-mastery type of thing. It was like a six month long experience. And then I was like, wow, this is life changing. I really want to go deeper with it for myself and also be able to teach this and like become licensed. And so I did the next two years, the the full-blown like teacher training practitionership. That is what ultimately led me to being a board certified clinical sexologist. Uh, but it, it was never what I set out to do. Right. You know, sometimes the path leads us another way, and that was the way it was meant to be. Yep. Same thing with me. I started this whole thing talking about other crimes that I read or watched, and now, no, I want to dive deep in, and I want to talk to other people who've been through all kinds of different stuff, because there's so many people going through it. Mm -hmm. You were in that industry. Were you ever, like, mugged, beaten, any of that, or... No, I I wasn't, thankfully, because I know that that is definitely not the majority of the women's experience in the industry. You know, I definitely like had, I was in the upper bracket of sex workers experience in the world, I guess. Uh, well, you're gorgeous. Actually, so I get it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but actually, like the worst part of it was when I was in the actual strip club. Like after the strip club, when I was seeing men privately, that was more in my control. Um, because I would only see the, a person I was willing to see, you know, I would only meet someone somewhere I was willing to meet them, etc. versus at the strip club. It's like, I'm not in control or even have a say in who comes through the door, you know? And so it was like anybody and everybody that wanted to go see naked chicks at any point in time or touch them or grope them or push them or like whatever, I experienced a lot of that type of like harassment in the club and accumulated a lot of stuff in my body from that experience specifically. Like just imagine sitting on somebody's lap that you don't want to sit on. 
And then they're pulling you back down onto them when you try to get up or they're like trying to pull my top off so they can like expose me or whatever. A lot of different experiences like that where my physical boundaries were crossed, but never in a violent way, at least, which is good. But here's a fun statistic for you. Women in general who enter into the sex industry. Now, this is all inclusive. So this is like me who said, I want to be a stripper at 19 or somebody who's like, sex trafficked, you know, in a more like uh dark kind of way. I think it's all dark, but it, you know, the full spectrum of women in this industry immediately, the second that she's now a part of this industry, her premature, her risk for premature mortality, like dying for no good reason increases by 40% period wow. immediately. Like that's insane. Your chances of dying are almost doubled because you are now in a position to be seen as a commodity. You know, and so it was just, yeah, it was a really poor experience in the club. Eventually that really wore down on me, which is why I left and didn't have a plan B at that point. And so I still was doing the same work, but in a way that I, at the time felt like I was more in control of. Right. Well, that's smart, smarter, I guess you can say, you know, at least you feel comfortable. It's probably people that you knew that you've dealt with numerous times. You felt Mm -hmm. safe with. Mm hmm stuff yeah, like definitely mm-hmm. i had um one guest on who was raped and she mm-hmm. tried a bunch of different kind of therapies and uh-huh. she said it wasn't until she saw a sexologist that it all clicked mm-hmm. that's what helped her the most yeah and i believe that because like i mean not to knock traditional clinical therapy by any means i think people can get a lot of value out of it but i also think a lot of it is it's a there's a glass ceiling on it from the start because it's only going to acknowledge a certain part of you you know it's like a cognitive thing only you're talking for hours and hours and hours it's not about the body and it's definitely not about sex like the sexual part of your body and so but that's where everything is kept that's where all the trauma is stored and so when we're just trying to talk our way through it we're super limited in how much we can actually get done i mean even somatic therapy where there is a physical approach from the body like there's still the sex piece missing and that just blows my mind because as a fucking human being you don't exist without somebody else having sex you know eventually everybody's gonna have sex for the most part like it's a part of our human nature just as much as your hand is just as much as your hair growing on your head like there's nothing taboo about it other than how we've made it that way as a culture and so i think until therapy includes it it's not a holistic therapy to me I think that was very well said, actually. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. really does. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wanted to get like your services, what can they expect? What goes in on like a session? Mm-hmm. So you're talking about with like a sexology yes. client specifically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I offer a lot of different things and, and different, I have different offers other than just like one-off sessions, but I do offer those and, or private coaching, I guess. So I do offer that. So with clinical sexology, there is an emphasis in my experience, most of the time on the clinical side of things, like something is not working the way it's supposed to work physically. And so that could be like erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation or a woman not being able to reach orgasm with a partner or not feeling like feeling disconnected from her her arousal or low libido, all of these different things that are like like diagnosable, you know, as like a physical issue that you're having. That is usually the starting point. 
And so I like to just like give the client a short introduction, short rapport, and then just kind of give the person space to fill me in on whatever they believe is the issue, whatever they're experiencing as the issue. And then we go from there with me asking a lot of different questions to get a full understanding of what they're saying. And then I'll go deeper into like the getting to the root of why is that happening? Because like 10 times out of 10, it's not actually a physical problem. The physical experience is a symptom of something else that's the actual problem. And so digging into that on the emotional side or spiritual or energetic even, and then giving them some sort of protocol to follow, to help heal, to remedy that, or leading them through something in the session that will help them or both. I've always heard it is a mental thing. So, and I figure that has to be some, somewhat correct, obviously, but it's like, I don't know how to put it. So like when you're having sex, like you don't, you're not thinking of like groceries or, you know what I mean? Like you're in it, but like, mm-hmm. where does the disconnect come from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a really common thing that I see with women, at least specifically, you're a woman, I'm a woman. So we'll talk about that. Uh, where it's so common and I hear this from so many women and I've experienced this in the past too of just like feeling that disconnect not feeling fully turned on not like even if they're thinking and feeling into whatever's happening there's like this lack of presence still and to me what I understand that to be is a lack of safety a lack of felt safety which is totally controlled by your nervous system has nothing to do with what your mind is saying you could be walking through a haunted forest saying I'm safe I'm safe I'm safe but your mind is bullshit if your body is reacting in a way that feels not safe, you know? And so like, this is why I put the body as like such a high on such a high pedestal when it comes to any healing work, like it has to be tended to as a priority versus something that comes second or third or never, because it really dictates like the state that our mind is going to be in. It dictates how much access we have to different functions in our body. So for example, sex, all of that is in our genitals, or most of that is going to be in our genitals. And that is at the bottom of our vagus nerve. So our vagus nerve is the longest nerve running through our body. It goes all the way from our our brainstem all the way down to our genitals, and it innervates all of that. And so, so the vagus nerve is what is activated when we are in fight, flight, freeze, one of those dysregulated states. And so if you are in free state, for example, which I almost every woman I've ever worked with and myself included have a a, an undischarged free state stuck in their body for one reason or another, where at one point in time, they were imprinted with the nervous system experience of like being told to shut up or needing to just be quiet or needing to be smaller or needing to like freeze in some way to feel safe to get through whatever they were going through. And so if that is what's going on in your body, then literally everything from your diaphragm down to your genitals is like on a nervous system primal level unplugged. And so if you are in a sexual situation where somebody's like going down on you or you're having penetrative sex or whatever, and you're not like, there's the, an experience I think a lot of women can relate to where it's like, it might feel good, but like, you know, it's not feeling as good as it should or could, or is supposed to. It's because most of the time it's because that part of your body is literally in a shutdown state and you're trying to force something that your body doesn't actually have access to in that moment because the nervous system is like on lock. So that's just one example of how it can be impacted. Even if you're thinking like, I feel fine, I feel great because we're so used to having dysregulated nervous systems. We think we're fine, (laughs) you know? 
That's great. How does somebody get back on track? <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nervous system regulation <laughs> like if nothing else that that could be the thing so i like to compare the nervous system to like your cell phone so i don't know if you have an iphone or what kind of phone you have but maybe you can you've had an experience like this you, let's say your phone has 64 gigabytes pretty much everybody's phone has more than that now but let's say your phone has 64 gigabytes when you get to that like 63 mark your phone starts acting like shit like random apps start closing when you're using them. You can't post. You can't do something on your phone that you're supposed to be able to do. It's literally malfunctioning because there's like too much stuff trying to be stored in it. It doesn't have any more capacity for anything else. And so it constantly shuts you down in ways that it's not supposed to. Same exact thing in our nervous system. Our nervous system has a certain capacity that it's meant to experience regularly and things are supposed to flow through us. But when these experiences get stuck and then we're not taught or allowed to discharge it in some way by like screaming or yelling or stomping our feet or the way that a kid has a tantrum. We are wired to have tantrums to finish the experience, get the stress out of our body. We don't do that as adults. And so it's like, it gets stored, it gets stored, it gets stored. And then eventually your 64 gigabyte nervous system is like fried and constantly overworked and trying to do more than it can handle at all times because there's just too much stuff. And so it's just like a cleaning out your phone process. Like nobody wants to do it, but you need to, if you want your stuff to start working good again. And so it's like getting the things out of your nervous system, which can be done in a bunch of different ways, you know, um, different types of breath work, different types of even different talk therapies that can like access emotional stuff that can be released. Physical release though has to happen. So like breath work, crying, screaming, giving yourself the space to have a tantrum, like getting the things out of your physical body, even if it doesn't make sense mentally, like you don't know why you're crying. You don't know why you feel rage, but letting it get out is what has to happen for, for there to be space for you to have safety in your nervous system. Cause when there's no space, it's like, you're constantly in a fight or flight or freeze and you're like on edge under the surface at all times isn't helpful for sex. <laughs> no, it's not helpful for anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite topics. I can talk forever. <laughs> How long does somebody usually need to go and see a sexologist for? Like, is this something that can be fixed in a couple sessions or is this kind of like a long term thing? Yeah, it completely depends on what somebody's goals are, like why they're coming to someone for, for that type of service. Like if it's what I'm talking about, like with the nervous system healing, there's trauma, there's relearning and stuff to do. To me, that doesn't, they might come to me for a sex issue or something, but that doesn't necessarily fall under the like sexology category in my brain. Like then I would treat them as like a, a, like a therapy client, basically, where like we're going to get to the root of things. I'm going to walk you through whatever. and it would also depend on like how they chose to work with me. If they did a one-off session, they could book the next one, whatever they wanted. I might recommend when they do it, but it's all on their terms. If they signed up for three months of working privately with me, then that's 12 weeks we have dedicated to the issue. Or if they're in a group program, it's like a start date and date, you know? So I think a lot can be accomplished in a short amount of time, but there's also times when I've had clients come to me for sexology reasons where they do really have a concrete goal that can be achieved in a couple of sessions. Men, especially when they come, they want to learn how to last longer or they want to learn how to like become multi-orgasmic, like to, to practice semen retention or different, different type of tantric techniques. 
um, that's something that's like a class kind of thing. Like I could teach you in a few sessions, they do the practices. Now they're, now they're equipped, you know, so depends on what someone's coming for. You're trying to learn some skills. You're trying to heal. Right. (laughs) Yeah. You have a lot of clientele that is trauma-based. All of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) every once in a while someone's like hey i just want to improve this part of my life can you help me do that but for the most part there's some root that needs to be dealt with because if there wasn't your life would be the way you want it to be already (laughs) you know yeah now i'm just curious do these people have to like do things to themselves while you guys talk (laughs) um you mean like sexually in the session yes um, no, no, not at all. So I actually don't have them right now. Cause it doesn't matter. We're not on video on the podcast, but, <laughs> um, I have a set of like sexual anatomy models. So I have like an erect penis. I have a soft penis. I have like multiple different, um, vulva, vagina, clitoris, like all these different models that I use for instruction during the session. If it's needed, I also have a bunch of diagrams and things that I can pull up like over my screen. But no, if I ever have anybody do anything physically on a call, on any type of call, it's it's not sexual at all. It's something to do with like a breath breath work practice, or I want them to check in and trace something in their body or something like that that I'm just guiding them through, but nothing nothing sexual. So that's one of the things I'm I'm like emphasizing like in the beginning when I said this is not the sex industry. Sexual wellness and the sex industry are on opposite sides of the table. <laughs> Yes. I just always wondered that, like, if you're going to see someone, especially like if you're there in person, like, I didn't know how in depth it goes. <laughs> yeah. So I do all of my work virtually. I don't have an in-person like office per se. Virtual everything is how I do it. Other than my in-person body work, which I can offer for men and women both, but I currently only offer it for women. And so that is a, a technically sexual experience because it's it involves genitals. So that's like a full-blown yoni massage where it's like a three or four hour long session. There's some talk therapy parts to it. There's some movement to it. There's And then eventually there's the massage piece that starts with the whole body and then ends up being a yoni massage. So like genital massage with the purpose of releasing things, stuck traumas, stuck emotions, stuck whatever from the tissues and bringing more wellness to the person. What's the difference between a sexologist and like a sex guru? Uh, well, <laughs> um, I don't know because I have seen other like sexologist type people who have that label, you know, have that title doing different work than I do. You know, people like, I think that, yeah, I think there's just different like corners of that whole niche where like, I get so many emails for brand ambassadorships and like, partnerships and stuff from people wanting to do stuff with sex toys and I'm not interested like I don't think sex toys are bad at all but my interest in helping a person with a sex issue is never going to be to use something external unless like we go through all this everything and then that's something that's like an addition maybe but I'm interested in holistic healing not promoting just a a tiny piece of the sex industry, you know? And so that's like my personal take, but I know there's plenty of other like sexologists, sex guru type of people who their whole angle is like, learn how to do anal better. Try this fucking cock ring and you'll be having orgasms, like whatever, you know, it's more of a performance-based coaching that that, that's not not my deal. Well, yeah, you're not healing anything within. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just performance. It's like, 
you might as well be working at Best Buy, like (laughs) (laughs) sell someone anything. (laughs) How many different services do you have? So, I mean, the sexology piece is a title. I consider it like a, a title. It's one of my credentials. But um, as far as my actual services, what I offer is I have one-off sessions that people can book just for the hour. And I find that really helpful for people who have like a specific thing that they need help with, a specific issue that they're needing help navigating, but they're not looking for long-term support. So I do have that option for someone to just book a random session and then they can peace out, never talk to me again, or they can come back for more. And I have both of those happen. I have a women's group rolling program. So like you can join it anytime, you can leave it anytime. It's just a monthly monthly fee, but it's not like it's not a membership. You can come and go. And that is a weekly group call for live coaching, live support, all the stuff you need help with. You have access to once a week in a group form and they have direct direct message access to me every day if they need it. So that is like my mid-level offer, I would say. And then at the higher levels, I have private coaching, which is much more in-depth, much more intimate for either one month, three months, six months. I suppose I would offer a year. I've never had any... Actually, I have had one person sign up for a year in advance before, which was great. But um, my private coaching, and then I have a digital course that people can buy. It's a women's sexual empowerment course that um, has a few training modules. They get immediate lifetime access to it, but it's not live in any way. And then I have a women's retreat coming up that is in Hawaii in the middle of May. I'm super excited about that. Um, all about like your your liberation as a woman. I'm super, super stoked for that coming up. And then last but not least, actually today, I just launched my brand new offer, which is a women's program. Different from the rolling one I have, they actually get free access to that rolling one inside of this program called Holy Woman. And it's a supportive container to help women meet their wholeness, like heal, nurture, tend to, embody, embrace, and express all parts of you that aren't quite there yet, you know? And so that's a 15 week experience. We're going to start the first round at the end of May. And today is the very first day that I announced it actually. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Now, if somebody was like interested in a group setting, do they see everybody in the group or is it just you who sees everybody in the group? How does that work? Yeah. So I do it over Zoom. So like, for example, with the women's group program, because that's the only group offer live right now. I just launched Holy Woman, but we don't start for a couple months. So for the women's group, it is over Zoom. It's just a group call. So like I'm on, everybody else is on, everybody can see each other. And I I do it in sort of a round table style. So like everybody's muted when they come in and then I'll like start with one person, check in, do you need support? What do you need? What do you need help with? Anything that's coming up? And everybody else can benefit from whatever that person gets support with and so on. So that's that. And then with Holy Woman, the structure of that program is going to be a little bit unique. So there will be two calls a month that are webinar style where like they can all see me, but I can't see them. It's just training. Um, there will be a monthly call that's like a women's circle that's more connection oriented, not about training or learning. It's about connecting and expressing and healing and sharing and all of that. That will be for everybody to see everybody. And then and there's going to be a couple weeks where everybody will just have private one-on-one sessions with me. And so that'll be one-on-one format. So it's kind of a mix of everything. Hey, you know, everyone's got their own little thing that they like. So at least you got something made for everybody. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
So that'll be oh, great. it's so exciting. A retreat in Hawaii. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on down. I'm so excited. And that starts May 18th. Yeah. So there's four private rooms. So four ladies. And I can't wait to do it. Yeah, that should be amazing. And it's a beautiful place to do it. <laughs> Yeah. And like literally the backyard basically of the retreat house that we're staying at is the volcanoes on the big island. And so it's like the volcano national park. So we'll be going there quite a bit and it's, it's everything that's going to be surrounding us. So we're really going to be immersed in that. That's great. How often do you do retreats? This is actually the first one that I'm hosting. So this will be the kickoff. And then I am guessing it'll either be twice a year or once a year, a women's retreat going forward and possibly couples retreats also. Very cool. Look at you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Branching out. Yeah, you have to, you know, little by little, you just, you learn other ways to grow. And I think it's so important and it's fulfilling in yourself and to see these people that couldn't do what they wanted to do. And now they're just living their best life. So that's got to be rewarding. Yeah, for sure. And I know, like, personally, some of my most transformational, profound, like life changing things that I've gone through personally in the last five years or so since I started my own journey with this have been in person, you know, they've been at retreat type settings, like trainings, whatever, where there's a physical component. And so I know the power of being in a group in person like that. It's just different than virtual. So it'll be extra special. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited. If anyone was interested and wanted to get a hold of you, what is the best way? Yeah. So my home on the internet, I would say is Instagram. So best way to find me is, is at Hannah Spanky on Instagram. I'm also there on TikTok at Hannah Spanky, Facebook at Hannah Spanky, as well as HannahSpanky.com. My website's currently being redone so that everything is streamlined. You can find everything in one spot. But if you go to my Instagram, I have a link in my bio that usually is updated with all the different stuff that I'm offering at that moment. And I post daily free content pretty much every single day. So you can go park yourself there, follow, and then kind of get a taste of, of everything I'm doing as as time goes on. And you can message me there. And that's where I stay connected. I love it. I'm going to come find you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited to, to meet any new faces. Absolutely. That's what it's about. It's just about taking the knowledge you have and helping other people. Let's change the world for the better. You know, try, try. (laughs) Yeah, do our part. (laughs) Yes. Is there anything else you wanted to share? I know we got a little late. I don't know. I guess the only thing just kind of like final note is just like, as I shared a little bit about my past and a little bit about what I'm doing now and like, they're somehow connected, but also wildly different and completely different as far as how it impacts me and my experience of life, you know? And so just want to highlight and reiterate that nothing in your life needs to be permanent if it's not serving you, you know, nothing in your life needs to define you or what you do next if you don't want it to. And it, it doesn't unless you let it. And so just really like the reminder, you're here to create this life and make it whatever you want it to be. So to not be a victim of circumstance and just, you know, remember that you have the power to create that life. Oh, I love that. (laughs) It's true. It's so true. You know, if you want to live in your own prison, that's fine. But you know, if not, you need to break free and start living again. Yeah, totally. Thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for coming on. I was so excited. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to stay connected. If I see you on Instagram, I'll, uh, We'll stay connected there. Oh, yeah, honey, I'm going to come find you. (laughs) 
<laughs> Make sure to check out those links at the end of the show notes. You can also find my links there. That way it makes liking, following, subscribing, and leaving that five-star review that much easier. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye. Bye.